The elevator climbing the south pillar of the Eiffel Tower was overflowing with tourists. Inside, an austere businessman in a pressed suit gazed down at the boy beside him. You look pale, son. You should have stayed on the ground. I'm okay, the boy answered. I thought by now you would have gotten over this. The man brushed the child's cheek affectionately. Far beneath them, the streets of Paris stretched out in all directions. As the lift angled steeply toward the upper viewing deck, the shaft began to narrow, its massive struts contracting into a tight, vertical tunnel. Dad? I don't think... Suddenly a staccato crack echoed overhead. The carriage jerked, swaying to one side. Frayed cables began whipping around the carriage, thrashing like snakes. The boy reached out for his father. Dad? Their eyes locked for one terrifying second. Then the bottom dropped out. Robert Langdon jolted upright in his seat, startled out of the daydream. He was sitting alone in the cabin of a Falcon 2000 EX corporate jet as it bounced its way through turbulence. Mr. Langdon? The intercom crackled. We're on final approach. Langdon slid his lecture notes into his leather daybag. The daydream about his late father, he suspected, had been stirred by this morning's unexpected invitation from Langdon's longtime mentor, Peter Solomon. The other man I never want to disappoint. Outside the window the sun had set, but Langdon could still make out the slender silhouette of the world's largest obelisk, rising on the horizon like the spire of an ancient gnomon. The 555-foot marble-faced obelisk marked this nation's heart. All around it, the meticulous geometry of streets and monuments radiated outward. Even from the air, Washington, D.C., exuded an almost mystical power. Langdon loved this city, and as the jet touched down he felt a rising excitement about what lay ahead. The jet taxied to a private terminal at Dulles International Airport and came to a stop. Langdon gathered his things, thanked the pilots, and stepped out of the jet's interior onto the fold-out staircase. The cold January air felt liberating. Breathe, Robert, he thought, appreciating the wide-open spaces. A blanket of white fog crept across the runway, and Langdon had the sensation he was stepping into a marsh as he descended onto the misty tarmac. Hello! Hello! A sing-song British voice shouted. Professor Langdon! Langdon looked up to see a middle-aged woman with a clipboard hurrying toward him. Welcome to Washington, sir. Langdon smiled. Thank you. My name is Pam, from Passenger Services. Your car is waiting. Langdon followed her across the runway toward the signature terminal. I hate to embarrass you, Professor, the woman said, but you are the Robert Langdon who writes books about symbols and religion, aren't you? Langdon hesitated and then nodded. I thought so, she said. My book group read your book about the sacred feminine and the church. She playfully motioned to his clothing. Your uniform gave you away. Langdon was wearing his usual charcoal turtleneck, Harris tweed jacket, khakis, and collegiate cordovan loafers. The woman laughed. Those turtlenecks you wear are so dated. You'd look much sharper in a tie. No chance, Langdon thought. Neckties had been required six days a week when Langdon attended Phillips Exeter Academy. Little nooses. Thanks for the advice, Langdon said with a chuckle. A man in a dark suit got out of a Lincoln town car parked near the terminal. Mr. Langdon, I'm Charles with Beltway Limousine. He opened the passenger door. 
Welcome to Washington. Langdon tipped Pam and climbed in. He settled into the plush leather seat. The U.S. Capitol was a half hour away, and he appreciated the time to gather his thoughts. Everything had happened so quickly that Langdon only now had begun to think about the incredible evening that lay ahead. Arriving under a veil of secrecy, Langdon thought, amused by the prospect. The one who called himself Malach pressed the tip of the needle against his shaved head. The hum of the electric device was addictive, as was the bite of the needle sliding deep into his dermis and depositing its dye. I am a masterpiece. A single bell chimed, and Malak looked up. 6.30 p.m. Leaving his tools, he wrapped the curious silk robe around his six-foot-three body and strode down the hall of his mansion. He glanced through a floor-to-ceiling window.